need help or we are at odds with family members and others that we love or we don't have a job or 10,000 other things that are keeping us from thinking about you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us the ability by your spirit to focus and hear what you want us to hear. And I know that I can do nothing of that without you. So I plead for your help, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So I just want to point you to a couple things here. When we think about baptism and what baptism is, this first verse tells us before we get to baptism, there was preaching. John came preaching. Preaching happened first, and then the response is baptism. And what John was preaching was repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the reality of the coming of the kingdom is what evokes the, right, the response of repentance. And so here, one thing to see, what does it mean that the kingdom is coming? That typically is the reality of the king, Lord Jesus, we're about to see, right? Jesus is on the scene. For those of you who have been with us, we've been following his life, looking at who he is. And so far, publicly, nothing has really been seen about Jesus. We've seen his birth, all these things that have happened quietly along the side. Now, unfolding of prophecy has happened in the fulfillment of the events surrounding his birth. But the world at large knows nothing of Jesus as we're walking with him through this story. But now, on this day, something public is happening and it has to do with baptism. And so we see John preaching, the kingdom of heaven is coming. And so repentance is what is called for. And what's the meaning of that? The simple reason is, if the Holy Son of God is coming, are you ready for him to sit with you? Is your life ready to meet the Savior? I think the microphone is, this, is coming from Satan this morning, right? <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening here, but I don't like it. I'm trying to tell you about eternal truths, and we have interruptions. That, that's, that's the way life works. There are important things happening all around us, and, and there's opposition, right? And so this, if the people who are being baptized here are those who are responding to a message. And my question as I come to this text is, are we ready to welcome the king? Could you happily welcome King Jesus into your home today? If you knew he was coming for lunch... Would, would you be okay? Because that's the question here. That's why repentance is called for. Because the, the truth is, if you want to invite Jesus over for lunch, he's probably going to talk about some stuff about your life. And, and the question is, everything in your life, are you okay to talk with it about Jesus? That's the question. If the king is coming, and this is a sovereign king, who knows every thought. He knows the motivations of your heart. You cannot pretend in front of him. And he's coming. And the question is, are you ready? We're all going to meet him one day. Just got a text before this service. My dad is close to death. Will you pray that the plane will get me there to him before he passes away? Right? We, we are all 
going to meet Jesus one day. And the question is, are you ready? Are you prepared? Because that's what John the Baptist is preaching. The kingdom is coming. It's close at hand. And so what is the proper response? Well, if anybody who's honest, can you say your life is completely without sin? Are you clean? Crystal clear? Are you clean water? Or you little messy water? We're a room full of messy water folks. All of us. And the question is, will you, will you repent? And what does repent mean? It means you realize the sin in your life is like the cruddy water. And what are you going to choose? Crystal clear holiness or filthy water? That's the question here. Repentance is choosing to drink the clear water. And it is rejecting sinful substitutes that never satisfy. And so here, John is saying, the kingdom is coming. Are you ready? If not, then repent. And repent means, and I, I read a quote of a little girl who, uh, a Sunday school teacher was trying to communicate this truth about repentance. And she said to the class, what does repentance mean? And one little boy said, being sorry for your sin. And the little girl sitting next to him said, being sorry enough to quit. <laughs> yep, that's right. That's right. That's repentance. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry I poked my sister in the eye. It is also then saying, and I won't do it again. Right? Some of us can say, I'm sorry for the messes in my life. I don't like them. They're, they're a mess. But I'm just happy to keep living in the mess. And Jesus says, I have a better plan for you. And he is coming on the stage. He is arriving. That's what's happening in Matthew. Jesus is coming. And the king is being revealed to the people whose hearts are prepared we need to prepare our hearts for the coming of the king. And John is saying baptism signifies that. And so this, this coming in the water, and they come confessing their sins. Do you see that? Verse 5, then Jerusalem, all Judea and the region all around the Jordan were going out to John. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Who are the people who are being baptized? It is those who are confessing their sins. They're the only ones who are being baptized because they realize, I need this, this sign. I need this, this picture of what happens. And what does it communicate? It communicates it is possible to have your sins forgiven. And anybody in this room who is consciousness, who actually has an awareness of how sinful sin is, and we probably don't, have a full picture of how sinful sin is. Because sin is one little speck of dirt in the water. One little speck of dirt in that bottle of water. That's what sin is. And do you want to drink one little speck of dirt? God calls for purity. He calls for utter cleanliness. And, and, and in Christ, that can happen. In Christ, you can be forgiven. Come
completely of all of your sins. And so here's a crowd of people coming, realizing I am a mess and I confess and I need to be cleansed. Will you cleanse me? And so John in a river dunks them underwater, picturing the kinds of not only confessing your sins, but willing to turn away from sins and saying, cleanse me, wash me. Clean me from the inside out. That's what cleansing points to. And John also says, there's some fakers in the room. Pharisees and the scribes show up and they have come to see what is going on out in the wilderness. What are all the crowds gathering to the weirdo dressed in the funny stuff with a camel hair and a leather belt and eating plants and bugs out in the wilderness? What is this guy? We got to go figure out what he's doing. And so they come. They come. You might think they come to church. Let's put it in our context. They come to worship to hear a, a, a sermon being preached by John. And John says to them, you brood of vipers, who do you think you are? Who told you to flee from the wrath to come? What a great welcome on a Sunday morning. Right? Welcome, you brood of vipers. Right? What John knows is they're not coming for baptism. They didn't actually come to submit to baptism. They, they, they came because the crowd was there. And they want to figure out what's going on so they can draw some attention to themselves. And he said, hey, guys, don't think because Abraham is your great-great-granddad, you're going to get into heaven. Great-great-granddad, Abraham is not going to get you into the kingdom. What will get you, what God the king accepts, is humble, broken-hearted repentance. Confessing of sin and broken over it such that you will do whatever it takes in your life to turn away from the sin in order to cling to Jesus. That will get you into heaven. Trusting in your family lineage or great-great-granddad will not get you into heaven. Broken-heartedness over your sin, looking to Jesus as the one who can cleanse your sin, is the only thing that gets you into heaven. And so John tells them straight up, this is what, this is what baptism is. It is a picture of, of confession of sin. I realize I am a sinner. And I realize Jesus can take care of my problem. That's what we're seeing. And Jesus is about to be pushed into the eyes of the public in a way that has never happened before. And so if the question then is, and here's the stumbling block in this passage, if baptism is a confession of sin, what in the world is Jesus doing getting baptized? Is, is he confessing his sin? Is that his problem? Does Jesus got some stuff wrong in his life? And the answer is no. And we see this. Verse 13, right? Jesus came from Galilee, which is actually a long hike. Galilee in the north down to the Jordan River in the south is 40 or so, 50 miles, something like that. Jesus walked a long way to make this happen. And there's some people who have flown a long way to come here to see people get baptized today. But he says this, verse 14. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, verse 14, and do you come to me? So John sees Jesus coming for baptism. What's his baptism? It is confession of sin, repentance, turning around, and he says to Jesus, what are you, why are you here? You don't need to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you. 
So John and their cousins, by the way, somewhere how they are related. Mary, Jesus' mother, and Elizabeth, John's mother, were relatives, maybe cousins. And John was about six months older than Jesus. And you remember, Mary spent some time with Elizabeth, who was an old woman and got pregnant, miraculous way. Mary got pregnant in a miraculous way. They hung out together for about three months and spent some time together. So the kids probably grew up knowing each other. John knew Jesus. And he knows it. He doesn't know yet that he's the Messiah. That's coming. He does not know that yet. But what he does know about Jesus is, you're absolutely the weirdest guy I've ever seen in my life. You do not need to confess anything. What I know is you are superior to me. That's what John knows. And he says, why, Jesus, are you coming? Confession is nothing of what you need to do. And Jesus says this. Look at verse 15. Uh, John, Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. It is fitting. Let it be so, John. It's right. I don't have any sin. But it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. What is righteousness? Is everything that accords with the will of God and the word of God and is in alignment with the character of God. And what Jesus is saying is, this, this has to be for a part of the plan. It is necessary for me to, to obey the will of my Father, and, and so I, I need to be baptized, so let it be. And then John says, okay. He consented. Right, so what is Jesus doing? I think there's, there's probably several things that Jesus is doing. First of all, Jesus is, is saying this message that John is preaching is exactly what you need to embrace. He is affirming the preaching of John. He is saying repentance and turning away from sin, confessing sin and repentance is the right thing. He's saying, this is, this is right. You need to listen to this guy, is what Jesus is saying by submitting himself to baptism. You need to listen to his message and obey it. And secondly, Jesus is establishing a pattern. He knows what he is going to command before he ascends into heaven. He's going to command that all of his disciples, whoever wants to be a disciple of Jesus, ought to be baptized. That's what he's going to say at the end of this book. And so he here is saying, I am going to be baptized because I guarantee you, if Jesus didn't get baptized somewhere down the road, some wise guy would have come along and said, why do we get baptized? I mean, Jesus didn't get baptized, so why do we need it? So Jesus is establishing a pattern for his followers. He is also, I think, and this is the sweetest part, I think what he is saying is, I'm going to get down in the mess with you. Right? I'm going to get... The Jordan River's muddy. Always muddy. And so he is saying, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you in the mess. I am going to get muddy with you. I, I enter into this sinful world. I, I come in fully. And I am entering into your messy life. Even though I'm sinless, I am with you. I don't know of any other sweet promise on the planet than knowing that Jesus is with me in the mess of my life. Because I would wilt without that sweet promise. And that love ought to be something that says to you, then let go of every other thing in order to cling to this man. That's, that's what people say when they get baptized. I've realized I'm, I am in the mess, and I'm going to cling to him because he comes out of the mess. 
<laughs> We're not at the resurrection yet, but this is pointing to it because Jesus went in the water, but he didn't stay there. He came up and out. That's what baptism pictures. It pictures people who say, I am a sinner, therefore I deserve to be condemned. I deserve death. I deserve to be buried, completely buried because of my sin. If you can't say your sin is worthy of death, just remember one act of willful disobedience in the Garden of Eden got the, not just Adam and Eve separated, but every one of their kids separated from the intimate presence of the Lord. And Jesus comes and says, I'll bring you back. And, and that's the next thing that happens in his baptism. When Jesus is baptized, when he comes up out of the water, God Almighty speaks from heaven and he said, that's my boy. I am well pleased with him. Listen to him. Do what he says. That's my boy. And the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And what you don't know is that in the first chapter of John, God had told John, my Messiah will be the guy that you see the Spirit of God descend on and stay on. And Luke tells us a dove, an actual bodily is the word that's used. A dove sat on Jesus' shoulder or something. I'm not quite sure exactly what happened. But a bodily form of a dove descended on him and stayed on him. And that is how John knew. It's, it's, it's him. He's the guy. Jesus is the Messiah. I don't think anybody else at, at, at that service knew what was happening. But, but God had told John beforehand, that's how you're going to know the Messiah. And so fast forward to the end of the book of Matthew. And we see this commandment. I go to the very end. Join with me. Very last uh, verses of Matthew. Right? You probably quote it, some of you who grew up in church. But he says this. This is Jesus speaking. All authority is after the resurrection. Okay? After he's resurrected. I wish we had time to just go through it all. Come back. That's what we're doing. We're filling in the blanks between what I'm saying right now and, and talking about Jesus' life. He says, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That is a mind-boggling statement. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I am with you to help you do that to the very end of the age. So we have some people today who want to come and say why they're getting baptized. So why on, the, why on earth would people get into a, a, a puddle of water, a, a tub of water, and proclaim faith in Jesus? It's the weirdest thing on the planet. Baptism is strange. It's because Jesus told us to do it. It signifies confession of sin, dying, and then being raised again. Being forgiven, accepting his forgiveness, and identifying with Jesus. So as Jesus identified with us by getting in the muddy mess of our lives and being resurrected, so he calls his people, okay, you come follow me. That's what it means to be a Christian, is to obediently follow him. So he identified with us, 
in the muddy mess of Jordan. And now we who want to follow him are going to identify with him. So we have four people who have said, I'm, I'm willing to look weird in front of people in order to proclaim my faith in Jesus.